Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Phil Boogie, and welcome to another episode of Isolation Be Like. So I had not planned um, to record on this fine Sunday morning, but um, a couple of nights ago, I um, was up doing some work, and I decided to to binge watch something in the background just in case um, I fell asleep by accident, you know, just from doing the work. I figured if I'm watching something on TV, and doing this work that I needed to do, I would stay awake for it. I had had a long day, the kids, life, allergies. Um, so I, against my initial thought, I put on um, the new show on Amazon Prime um, from Lena Waithe and others. Um, she executive produced called Them, if you haven't seen it. And you don't like spoilers, let's, let's hold this episode um for until you get a chance to watch a few episodes maybe come back and, and listen and, and watch um but it's just in my head and it's fresh so i wanted i wanted to talk about it right now so just to talk a bit about why i had not planned to watch it um you know there's this whole idea now of like canceling things before it even starts and um, being tired of certain narratives around Black people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm certainly exhausted by quite a few things in life in general. Let's be clear. You've listened to the podcast before. Um, but why I wasn't going to listen, why I wasn't going to watch the show was um, when I saw the trailer, it looked like um, a combination of other shows um, that I, or films that I enjoyed. And I think that got on my nerves, even the title, um, kind of, you know, reaching back, um, to Jordan Peele's, um, us, um, kind of got on my nerves and the aesthetic of it looked like Lovecraft. Um, and it just felt like too much of a blend and just sort of like, uh, let's, let's get on this gravy train now. Um, which, you know, I could recognize could could be an unfair assessment, um, but it was my reaction. A trailer is meant to get you to watch a show. Um, so, you know, that's their job is to entice you to watch the material. So what I'm saying is, is that when I watched the trailer, it made me not want to watch it. You know, that happens sometimes, right? They don't expect everyone to watch it from a trailer. They expect the people who are interested, and I was not. Um, but I started to read people's reactions and I started to think, let me, you know, part of what I do is um, I'm a writer and all that jazz, but I also study and look at film and television. Um, and I look at race and, and class and how that, and, and, and gender and identity and all that stuff, how it um, comes into the creation of, of, of art. Um, I do that for myself. It's fun for me. That is, you know, that's my nerd stuff. And I also do it for a living as a professor. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to not watch this. My students are going to watch it. Um, my, my colleagues, peers are going to be talking about it. So I wanted to be able to, to at least participate in the discussion. And who knows, maybe I was going to like it, right? Um, look like some really talented people, um, actors. And I mean, even though it looked derivative in the it looked beautiful. It was well shot. Um, it looked to be well acted. So I hit play on it the other night. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole plot, right? You can read that on the show's website, right? You can go to Amazon. But essentially, 
Um, what we get is a in the fifties, we get a black family um, who are part of um, the great migration. Um, they move from, and I don't have, I think from Mississippi to Compton, East Compton to be exact, um, to start over after having some troubles where they were. And then they get there and, you know, calamity, <laughs> shenanigans ensue, right? Pretty simple story, combinations of sort of psychological thriller, history, um, horror, um, a lot of things that can really work well together, right? So I watched the first episode and I didn't, I didn't multitask with the first two episodes. I wanted to like absorb the content I have learned. Like when I first started watching Lovecraft, I was doing other things like disinfecting the whole house and then trying to watch Lovecraft because I was still afraid of all the germs and bacteria and viruses when it, when I first started watching uh, Lovecraft. And then I realized when I finally sat down to watch like episode three, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I said, okay, this is a show I have to sit down and watch. So um, with them, I, I, I come in knowing that I had this experience already with, um, with Lovecraft. So I sit down and I say, I'm going to watch these first two, know the characters, know what's happening, situate myself. And then I can get to the work of um, um, doing the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, so I can be prepared for my job and kind of can watch this as I, as I go along. Once I know the characters, once I'm, once I'm situated. So first episode, like, like I thought, beautifully shot, beautifully acted, right? It, it kind of has a slow burn kind of psychological horror element to it that you might find in um, Stephen King. Um, there were some elements to me of like, like The Shining and other movies where it's just like, um, they make full use of music in space, um, in light, um, and lack of light and color and all the stuff, um, making simple everyday real life things feel horrifying. And as we know, um, for many of us, just the simple everyday parts of life can be. Um, horrific, right? So I, I appreciated it. The story is set up. They basically run some some text at the beginning that tells you about the Great Migration, you know, because you can't assume that the audience uh, knows this, right? And <laughs> so the story gets going. I'm not seeing what all the fuss is about, you know. Black people move in. Compton is still Lily White. Um, and they're the first Black family, as far as we know, to be in the space, to be in that neighborhood. The white neighbors greet them, not too warmly. If you've read Warmth of Other Sons or had any kind of history lessons you've read about, you've seen how white neighbors have greeted um, black families um, when they are the first to move into a community. So we see bits of that, right? It's not hard. I mean, it's horrific what these people do and what they did to black people, but it's not science fiction. So it's like the reality is the horror at this point. Okay, clever. And then 
this is what I want to talk about for this show, right? So that's it. That's the basic premise. And then you add in some razzle dazzle with some ghosts and some, you know, you know, some horror themes and all that stuff. But the core, the show is about redlining. This, this, it's about redlining. Um, and because I'm interested, I went and read about Compton's um, history. It's pretty fascinating. And maybe I'll post a link of it so that you can read some of it too. Um, how how uh, white and how, um, how much they did to keep black families out of Compton and then also how it was flipped um, to then give black families these homes at with interest rates that were insane, right? Which then kind of turned how Compton began to look. But anyway, we won't we won't go too far down that. That is a horror, right? But again, that's just reality, right? Compton, Baltimore, Chicago, you know, again, name a city, right? Or a place that this hasn't is happening. It's happening now, right? DC. Now, on Twitter, there's this whole like cancel lean away thing kind of happening, and I'm not jumping in on that, right? Um, except to say, Lena um, co-wrote one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen in my life, um, the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None. It was eloquent. It was nuanced. Um, it was thought-provoking. I watched it like two times in a row when I... You know, I was watching the show and we get to, we get her character. I believe her character's name is Denise. We get Denise's backstory. Uh, we get Angela Bassett and Kim Whitley in the episode. I'm playing her family through the, and we see how she, um, her growth as a young woman to be, you know, coming to terms with herself as a lesbian, as a black woman. It's a beautiful episode of television. It won an Emmy and it's well-deserved. Um, and I believe, you know, that she is a talented woman. And on Twitter, um, a lot of the debate is that Lena is problematic, that she's constantly creating content that is problematic. There are suspicions of her. And I think some of that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to do some criticism in a second of um, of them. Um, but I want to lay some groundwork that this is not beat up on Lena Wade. This is me as a film professor. This is me as a person who loves film. This is me as, as a person who loves Black people, Black art, who can appreciate it, even when um, I am dissecting it and looking at it closely, because I think it's worth the conversation. Um, and I also know that I'm holding myself up to that same thing when, you know, I have put work out there and had people respond to me in ways that maybe I didn't like. You know, um, but it's mostly fair um, and the conversation is OK. So I just want to just want to say that this is this is not cancel. Right. This is just discussion. This is a discussion I would have have with Lena one on one. Um, right. As a black artist. So respect, and I think some of the canceling is not just her art, is that she is a um, a lesbian black woman who asserts that publicly um, without fear. At least, I'm not gonna say without fear, because I don't know that, but who, who puts herself out there. 
And I think, you know, people find ways to not like her in part because of that. All right. So I'm not jumping in on that. And I'm also not jumping in on this sort of like, as a professor, what happens is I, you know, things become trending. They start to trend on social media. Then I start to hear it in my classrooms from my students and they don't even know what they're saying fully. They don't have the words for it yet. And we spend a lot of time trying to get them to use the word to kind of fill in the blanks for what they're saying. Um, but a lot of like, we just want more black joy and all that stuff. And I've written and said some version of that too. But I also understand that um, good stories have conflicts. So there has to be a bad guy. There has to be a little, little bit of ugly, even if the ugly is just loss or longing or something. There's, there's something. But I get what people are saying. You know, trauma porn, all that kind of stuff. Black pain is entertainment. I, I get it. I get it. But I'm not signing up for the um, the sort of general, like, eliminate all things, right? We've seen one, so we don't need any more because we get one million Lifetime movies, right, with white women. You know, I think, as a matter of fact, I think um, Valerie Bertinelli has starred in, like, a half a million of them, the same the same movie. So I don't, I'm not going to say then when we get... Um, um, a Black Lifetime movie, once we get two of them, it's like, oh, it's the same thing. No, let, let Kim Fields and Carrie Hilson, whoever else is starring in these movies, let them, let them, let them do their half a million, you know, Lifetime movies too, right? For the people who want that. But I am going to say this. There is a point in which, and it doesn't happen for me a lot, but there is a point in which you start to wonder um, while you're watching content or listening content, who is this for? Listening to content, who is this for? And I, I often have that thought in a broader sense because I'm often often thinking about where the money came from, who funded it, who said yes to it, um, questioning what does it mean for a project to be a black project or a women's project or um, or any other identity based, you know project, right? When do we call it that? When the money is there, when the production is there, when it's a black actor, when it's a black costume designer, when is it, when is it, when does it become black, right? And how does it not being black or how black it is change the content that we're seeing? Who's funding? Like it, I think there's a lot of elements that we don't talk about enough when it comes to to content. So I have those discussions in a broad sense a lot, even if in just my head or in my own writing in class. But every once in a while while I'm watching the project, I'm going, who was this for? Who is this for? And I had that feeling watching watching them like immediately. It almost felt like like if you were like a white supremacist, you would love this. Like, this would be your show. Now, I've only made it eight and a half. No, I think I'm up to episode nine because I couldn't turn it off. And I did fast forward through a couple of things, and I'm not going to tell you what those things are. I think people are writing about those things on, online, but there's only so much violence I'm going to look at, period, right? And certainly there's only so much violence I'm going to look at directed at us. I'm just not looking at it. 
I can understand it as a story beat. Skip. Let's let's see what let's see what's going on next. And I did that a couple of times. Um, I've done it a couple of times so far in the, in the nine episodes. Um, I watched. But who was it for? Like I'm sitting there and I'm going, if I'm a white racist, I am loving, I am loving this show. I'm loving it. There was so much like enthusiasm in the racism and um, it was so well detailed. And we don't get enough character development for the main family that it almost feels like it's not their show and they're 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 the ones in it the most but it almost feels like it's not their show i hate these in my ear but i left my other headphones so we meet the the family we, we, we get a sense of why they're running, right, early on, first episode. They get to where they're going, right? Now, I have an internal issue with that, like, from the beginning, um, because it's too literal um, in the sense that the Great Migration, certainly there, was, there were people running away from the horrors and the oppression of being in the South. Um. And people were also not always running in absolute terror and fear, right? It was just like, I, I'm making a choice to make my life better. There was joy, there's some, some kind of joy and agency in that, even within those circumstances. But I know for TV, you just got to get to it. White people, bad, let's get out of here and move someplace elsewhere to be a little bit better. All right, accept that. It's TV. It is not, it's not a book, right? Let that go. The main, none of this stuff, I mean, maybe it's a spoiler, but I'm trying really hard not to spoil, even though I told you not to watch until you've seen the show, if you plan to watch it, I should have shaved. The The father is an engineer. Um, and, okay, cool. They're buying this expensive house. They're all well-dressed. Um, and well-spoken. When, they, when they're moving into this house. Now, the earlier scenes, they're in what, and maybe I have to go back and watch, it didn't feel like they had more than the white people around them, it seemed. But I just, because it wasn't well established, I couldn't, it didn't make sense to me. Like the first episode, the people in the first episode did not feel like upwardly mobile. And then we find out later on that they that they are and they're moving into this house. And it just it's just jarring, right? Because um, reality is you could have just had an extra, you know, cow in some places, and that would have made you that would have made white people hate you even more because you have one more cow than them. You didn't have to be an engineer, right? So anyway, we find out that, that, that he's an engineer, which in and of itself is, you know, because I'm black and educated and I have an understanding of our place in history. It's not that, you know, 
overwhelming, but it'd be nice to know a little bit about him. If you're going to make the point of it being such a racist time in the 50s, and you can just pack up in this nice car and go buy this house, give me more about who this person is, because that's interesting to me. Lay some foundation. Who's, who is this guy who can just do that? But of course, like in a lot of shows, black people just kind of fall from the sky as is, right? So here they go. Boom. And they're the lead characters. As is. Boom. Engineer, family, middle class. Compton, when it was white. And Stepford, like. And then they show up and they do the thing that drives me crazy um, where everybody else is in the time period. They know the rules of the time period. The white people that they encounter know the rules of the time period. They're there and ready to be racist, right? <laughs> they're staring at the black family and you know they're going to give them hell, right? But then the black people don't seem to know the rules, even though they're escaping horrors of the South and drove across the country, educated, well-spoken, playing the rules of those games to then blend in. But then they move into this house and not, and seem to be confused as to why all the white folks are standing out there staring at them and then trying to run them out their house. Why are they confused? You know, the Lovecraft, and I'm reading the book now, does this as well. Letitia, I think, when she gets the house and the neighbors try to run around and all that kind of stuff. But she knew what was in store. She wasn't like, huh, what? Like, she knew. Makes sense. And I'm not saying these people don't know. We're just supposed to assume they know. But they're not acting like it. So it takes me out of the story. Now I'm just like, who wrote this? Right? You t and I know some of the history, the Southern, like I have friends who, whose grandparents bought homes in California during the Great Migration um, and kind of where they lived in certain pockets, right? They weren't running to places like Compton, right? Um, they were going to other places and then heading to Central Ave to the jazz clubs and other places in LA, right? They they were going, play, they were trying to be safe. They were trying to be safe. They found not 100% because people did all kinds of things, right? But initially they were looking for safety. That safety came in in community. And of course we have those who then went on to buy their homes and move into white spaces, right? But just so that the initial choice for this family to show up there, um, I know it's, just, it's the story, but it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand your character. Now, now you have to explain your characters to me even more because why they don't make any sense. But then, we get all the stories about how the white people feel, the loss that they are feeling about here come the black people. They're going to 
ruin our neighborhoods. We're going to lose our jobs. They're going to get our daughters pregnant. They're going to do all these bad, ruin our schools. They're going to do all the things. And then we find out, you know, a little bit about their marriages and their relationship to their friends. And then you just have the black people over here separate in this house, seemingly unaware of what they've stepped into. Now, I know it's supposed to be a horror film, not horror, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. How to, I don't know. It's supposed to be scary. That's so like that. And, but I'm sitting there just going, what is, what's happening here? Because you got to let me believe, you got to make me believe why these people are here in the first place. And right now I don't believe it. But as it progresses, we find out more and more about the white people in the show to me than we do about the black people. We don't know how they came to be other than the trauma that they experienced, other than the bad things they experienced. We don't know anything else. And they have, I think her name is, um, is it? She plays Betty, white woman who is the lead racist, right, in the show, right? And I love that it's a white woman, um, that they're not hiding behind the idea of the white man doing it, right? Like a lot of, you know, I'll give them that point. They're explicitly showing the, the impact that white women had on sort of the racist behavior that happened to black people of the time. So she's the worst. We get to know that she's annoying. We get to know that she hates black people. We get to know that her marriage is falling apart. We get to know that maybe she has a thing for the milkman. We get to know how the other neighbors feel around her, um, her antics to kind of keep control of the block. In a couple of episodes in, you, you hate her the minute you see her. In a couple of, by a couple of episodes in, you're just waiting for somebody to like, so you want something bad to happen to her. And where I kind of, I mean, officially tapped out, but still watch, was when a few episodes in, while still not knowing enough about the Black family, while still not knowing that they, um, that they have any sense or why they exist and why they exist together and why they're not living closer to family who they had living, you know, um, in other black spaces in California, why they're not there, right? I don't know, I don't, I don't know any of that yet, right? I'm just watching and grading papers. And then we get a whole sequence with the white racist woman who's to me symbolizing sort of the behaviors of people in suburbia at that time and maybe still now. We get an episode where she goes home to her parents in Hancock Park, which is sort of a, which is a wealthy neighborhood and certainly was even more so back then. And there's some great stories about black families moving into Hancock Park. You can look at, um, most notably, I think you can look at, um, Nat King Cole, um, there's some stuff written about his experience there. I think they poisoned his dog and that kind of thing. Don't quote me on that, but that's what I seem to remember. We, we go back to this white woman's house, still not knowing shit about the black people. 
And we see that she comes from this awful family, really money, very cold, and that potentially that her father is um, sexually abusing her. And at that point, I'm like, are you asking me to give a fuck about this woman who is terrorizing this black family? Why are you humanizing her? Like, why are you? So what are we supposed to do with that? And why are we doing it? What, what? And she needs love, so she's falling in love with the milkman, and we see her longing. Are you kidding me? So you centered this racist white woman at the core. And maybe in episode 10, it all comes to, I, I don't know, maybe maybe by the time I watch episode 10, I'll do another version of this, and I say, you know what? I had it all wrong. And I will do that. But I'm just going to pretend that it is what it is, because not even pretend, it is what it is. This is what I've seen so far. And I'm towards the end of the show. You've thrown, you introduce this person as this awful person. Yes, people are complex, right? Let's be clear. But if she's going to be complex, then let the rest of them be complex. How? Why you got me? I was mad that you got me. You know, I don't want, she's a racist character. When she shows up to her house, I'm uncomfortable how she's being treated. And when it's suggested that it feels like it's sexual, and maybe I read something that wasn't there, but whatever it was, it wasn't right. Now I'm going to go back and watch that. But either way, we were supposed to care for her. And I was mad that I was being asked to care. It was almost like you were, of course she's this way. Look at what she's endured. Then we want her to feel sad because her marriage isn't working and she needs a different type of man. Why? Why flatten her character? Build up the other one, or better yet, build up, build up all the characters, make them all make sense. And it dawned on me that this is, I don't know who wrote, who were the main writers on this, but this is what we're asked to do all the time is to care about them, understand their reasons, look at headlines, you know, uh, a black person gets arrested or something happens to this or black person was assaulted and it becomes, you know, former felon, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then if it's a white person, it's, you know, high school athlete, sudden turn towards despair. Like it becomes something else, right? <laughs> the show felt like that. And then her husband there's a twist to his character and it's very subtle. We're supposed to care about him while he's letting his wife just sort of be the worst person on the planet without really checking her. We're supposed to care for the real estate agent who sold them the house. We're supposed to, we're supposed to care about her. If you watch, you know what I'm talking about. If not, watch this, watch this shit. You're supposed to, we're supposed to care about everybody. And, I, and we're supposed to just care about the black people because we have a baseline understanding about racism is bad, harassing people is bad. Now go. No. No. Nuance with everybody else but us in a show with black people all over the posters. And this is what it feels like at work in all kinds of spaces, workshops on diversity. It's allegedly about blacks, women, 
I'm going to say queer, even though I don't identify as queer, but queer people, whatever else. It's about them. They're on the cover and on the multi-culti cover of the, of, the, of the program for diversity workshops, but they're not the center of it. It's about, it's still always about colonialism and centering whiteness at the core, right? Because I still haven't figured out what we're trying to find out in all these diversity meetings. Work. What are we trying to discover? It has nothing to do with me. I know how to show up someplace, typically. And not, generally speaking, I'm not walking into places assuming people are not smart, uh, are incapable, um, aren't worthy of their jobs or worthy of belonging in the spaces they're in, and then doing something to make them uncomfortable. That is not part of my norm, right? It's not part of my norm to make people prove to me that they belong somewhere. It's not part of my norm for people for to have people explain where they're from. I don't need that workshop. I'm not sure why I'm there. It feels like again that I'm centering you in something that is supposed to be about me. You go do that work yourself, right? We could do this whole show about this white neighborhood and barely see the black people because the truth of the matter is that the horrors are happening within the households of those white people. It's not the horror isn't happening. The horror is happening to black people. The bad things are happening to black people, but the real evil is happening inside those houses. Let's go in those houses and see how that racism is built. They know, but they don't write about it like that. They write about it always in relation to the last, the behavior, the outward signs of that racism. How about a really good, everybody trying to write these intricate shows about how black people feel. How about some, some intricate shows? If we're going to give the white character all these all this depth, forget about her marriage or, you know, relationships with daddy. Let's see what these conversations really look like in your homes. How you, how you end up like this. Because they, they ain't got nothing to do with us. We didn't make you this way. So if you want to center white people in a show about race, then go ahead and do that. But I ain't got to see all the violence that I saw in them. And diversity isn't just having people in front of, behind the camera acting and, you know, it's the executives and it's also the money. You need people who can say, what, what in the hell is this? And still want to shepherd it and be part of it possibly, but say, what is this? To ask questions like what I'm asking and not be afraid that they're going to lose their jobs for saying it all the time. Because if you could really say it, you'd be saying it all the time. I say it, I'm like this at work, I in other spaces, I, I say what I have to say. And every time I do it, I'm like, I'm measuring like, okay, so that was three comments this week about race um, two last week. Maybe I got another six more for the month. It's like <laughs> I'm rationing or, or gender or whatever it is. I'm rationing. And also mad that I got to say this shit all the time. Annoyed. 
right? So where, from where I sit, you can have a show about racism and and sort of what the role race played, a show about the great migration. You can have you can have all that stuff and still have joy. You can still have joy. People had joy. We have joy right now in the face of all the things that we still wake up to every day. We still laugh. We still we still have community. We still have family. We still have music. We still have, you know, food. We still have we st we have something. We have a lot of things. You know, and we're not we don't wake up being seen. We don't see ourselves with the same lens that they see us through. We don't spend our days worried about that. And I don't know why TV shows can't get that. My filmmakers can't get that. And not all. Certainly, I think um, there are plenty who, who are trying to really find that nuance. But like. Even when people were running because they were terrified of what could be, if it's this bad now, well, how bad will it be later? Let me let me move. Let me make a better place for my family. They still had joy and there was something. And I think that's what people are seeing is this one-sided, flat character development, right? And when it doesn't make sense, it just you just start to wonder who, who wrote this, who was it for, because it's not for me. It's not even about me. You know, I grew up in Newark. I didn't wake up every day going, Lord, these streets so mean. I don't I don't know what I, I got to get out of here. No, I knew I want, wanted to achieve things. I knew there were things I wanted to achieve that maybe I couldn't happen where I was at that at that time where I was living. But I still, you know, have fun with my friends. I went to the, you know, the clubs and we went to the corner store and we had a good time. That's missing. So I watch it because I'm maybe I'm crazy. But even when it's about us, it's about them. Right. We have to start wondering why that is. And as, to a certain degree, I think it's because people can't and shouldn't be writing the stories, number one, some people. Number two, and I think the largest piece is that where the money comes from, right? And who's sitting there in those decision-making processes, who, and they, who can also have that kind of nuance. You know, I haven't run into that kind of... Um, People who have that kind of nuances, I've tried to work on projects. I mean, I have to explain a lot, a lot of the time. I have a a documentary that I was working on. And even there was a moment where we were looking at making it into a feature. And I won't go into that whole story because it, it actually makes me mad. But I said no to the way that they wanted to re recast my, my film. And I called some really close friends. There was an opportunity on the table. And I just felt like shit, like... 
you know, this money could be good for my family. Can, you know, ultimately the credit can be good for me, but they want me to, to do this really basic rendering of race and class and gender. And I just felt uncomfortable. Um, and pretty much everyone I talked to said, just do it, get the money and then do what you want to do the next time around. Um, but the people I was working with were black, right? But they were black and they were saying, well, if we do it like this, we know that we can get the money because they won't get the other thing that you're trying to do, right? So let's just get the money and do do what we can with it. And thankfully, the project didn't go through. But it's not it's not just and it's not just them, you know, showing up with these kind of flat depictions. We show up too because we know that they can understand them, they can swallow them, and they'll write a check for them. And it's just tough, right? And only because um, Lena was involved, I'm going to go back and kind of talk again about these flat characters. Um, if we're going to have discourse around Lena and her work, we're going to have it around the work. We're not going to have it around her identity or who she is as a person. Right? Queen and Slim. If you haven't seen it, um, this you know man and a woman go on a date, get pulled over by the police. An incident happens. Um, they kill the police officer. Right? And then they go on the run. The woman is a criminal defense lawyer, a black woman who is regal, queen, seemingly smart, young enough to be part of woke cultural moments. Um, I would believe this character would be on Twitter. <laughs> she presented herself in that way with all the jargon. She'd be aware. She'd be smart. On top of being a black woman, she would have had lived experiences, just like um, Slim would have had lived experiences as a black man. So they go on this first date, they get pulled over by a police officer, and I have the script pulled up, and you know, and there are certain things in the script that kind of that rooted, you know, they talk about Love Jones and some other things, and you know, it's makes makes it feel authentic, and you you trust. But when they get pulled over, and I remember being in the movie theater mad as shit, because I was like, what? What did, you know, we all know what to do when we get pulled over. Now, we may not always do it, but you know what to do, or you know what's expecting, you know what can happen. As black people, I'm not even gonna say as black men, as black people, but especially as a black man. And not because, not because it's more powerful or more important when it's us, but just because that imagery is always in front of us of how black men are getting treated by the police. The cop gets out, asks, you know, you know, ask all the questions and Slim, the brother, is kind of like obeying, like he's doing more than he necessarily has to. But he's just saying, I don't, there's nothing in my car. I'm not doing anything wrong. You're going to let me go about my way. And that's a choice, right, to not be defiant. Um, but Queen, who is the, the criminal defense lawyer, a black woman of a certain age who would know better, uh, says to the officer, like she's she's firing off. I'm not going to read the script, but she's firing off at the mouth. And Slim is like, chill. Chill, like, what are you doing? And she's giving attitude. And I guess we're supposed to believe that she's 
you know, middle class and she knows her rights, right? You know, I had an incident one time. I was in the car with somebody and they got pulled over and I was in my 20s and, um, you know, I knew not to move my hands and all that stuff. But when I was asked about step outside the car, I did assert my privilegedness and asked if I may ask, um, what is happening? Um, I'm president of the Black Journalists Association of Los Angeles, and I have a relationship um, with um, the police chief. Now, I was stretching that. We had met and we had exchanged information, <laughs> but I had I had a phone number. Is there something I can do? Now, that might have been a bit much, but I wanted to say out loud, just enough that maybe would slow down whatever they were going to do. And it never, it didn't escalate, but I certainly wasn't. And maybe that would have agitated another officer, but I certainly, my tone was in check. You know, I was still performing, but in the movie, she's like giving it to the, giving it to the cop. And, and at some point she, she gets out the car um, it's all a mess, right? And she's and she's talking in a way. And let me see. I'm going to pull it up. Um, and it may have been shot a little bit differently, but I'm remembering it um, in a very similar way. Um, the officer's asking if he's been drinking. You didn't turn on your signal. Um, she's being she's being mouthy. Um, she tells. The officer, um, you know, to hurry up, you know, some version of that. Like she's she's she has a lot of attitude, um, and then she she gets out the car. The shooting happens, and the officer is shot. And this criminal defense lawyer who has talked back, had attitude, not been thoughtful about her own experience as a lawyer, her own experience as a black woman, Slim's experience as a black man and respect for his life, right? After all this has happened within the first few minutes of the film, on top of that, <coughs> excuse me, on top of that, let me take a drink of water. Welcome to isolation, be like, where it just goes down, however it goes down. On top of all of that, she suggests that they run. What? So I was in the theater and I don't, my phone doesn't come out. I'm texting. Yo, to people I knew, I saw, yo. What's her problem? And they were like, I know. And they were telling me not to leave because they know I, I leave a movie in a minute. So I sat there and watched them dance at juke joints and look at horses or whatever the fuck. They were having the time of their lives while on the run for killing a cop. And it was beautiful to look at. Well acted, you know. 
became Woodmont. Like it was good, like in terms of the acting and the direction and but like and then it ends how it ends, right? I won't spoil all of it because some of you may actually want to go and watch it one day if you haven't seen it, but like even the ending was like, come on. But I'm watching it like, who are these people? Who are these people? You can't take me on this hour and a half, however long journey with people who I just just don't make sense, right? But going back to what I said about Master of None, part of the beauty of that particular episode was that it made sense. It was from her lived experience, Lena Waite's lived experience. Um, I found an article, if you want to, maybe I'll post it, where it's um, her and Aziz talking about, um, what was it? It was in Vulture, talking about the background of their characters and of that show. You can see there's layers of like reality and them taking what was needed for the show to, to craft an episode that felt rooted in something. I saw myself, I saw life in that episode. You can still give me a movie about the horrors of moving to the, to the suburbs in the 50s. You can still give me a more show about that. You can still give me a show about the Great Migration. You can give me a show about a young couple on a date getting stopped by the police. It that that happened to me. I was on a date. We got pulled over. The guy I was with ended up, um, <laughs> you know, in jail for a couple of months. Right. Read the book. Um, from that arrest, um, when it comes out, I'm working. You know, I'm trying to sell it. And I was scared. I was scared for his life. I was scared for us in that moment. Like, that's real, right? But I need to see the people have what I believe. I mean, even in a film, if you're going to be be hyper-realistic in some ways, you got to, you want us to buy these characters. You got to let us believe that these characters look and um, are like the way that you've crafted them to look and seem. Queen wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have been running her mouth because she would have been afraid they were going to shoot Slim. And if she did run her mouth, she's dumb. Like, there are dummies. She's a dummy. I decided she was a dummy. She was, a, she was an idiot. So if you wanted me to think she was an idiot, then it works. And that's the other piece. Maybe she's, maybe she's, but I don't think she's supposed to be an idiot. But she, and there were a couple of other moments in that movie. You're just like, what are these people doing? I say that because it's not rooted. So I might argue that the problem might be, and I'm not saying it has to be your problem, or that everybody on Twitter who just wants to cancel Lena, cancel movies around certain topics. I'm not saying that they don't have a point. I can I can see it. Some of the, some of the violence in them just seems senseless because it didn't offer any insight other than what we already know. It wasn't clever. I think why I'm connecting. The Queen and Slim piece where Queen is making bad decisions based on who her character is supposed to be to um, them is not just Lena Waithe. Is it? I think they're both examples of you can talk about these topics 
You can do these shows. You can do this work if it's nuanced. People, now some people just don't want to see it, that kind of work. And I get it. People just don't want to see a slave movie, no matter how much, how, how well done it is. Some people don't want to see, there was a period where I wrote a piece about, I don't want to see any more black servitude. And I used to have a little blog that nobody read. And this particular article I wrote when the butler came out, where it said it's probably a fine movie, but enough of black servitude. For me, whether I don't even know, I'm assume it's good. I just don't want to. I don't. I don't wish to watch it. You know, can we get the Goonies or some shit for like with with black people in? Like, I just I need something else too. So if you're that, you're that. You're not looking for nuance. You're just like enough. I get it, cause I get it, right? Like, and it's weird, like. The Equalizer isn't a show that I, with Queen Latifah, is not a show that I would typically watch, but there's something fun for me watching Queen Latifah be an action hero, and I enjoy it. And sure, there's guns and some violence and whatever, but it actually is like, you know, I can turn off some of that stuff and just watch her fight bad guys. And it's fun. I just need a break, right? And I still I want a break, and I still want to see us. You know, so if you just don't want to see it at all, Boom. But if you're someone who enjoys movies and understands that there's going to be complexity and that there's probably no way we're going to get around having movies be about or have underlined um, racial topic, we're not going to get rid of that genre is what they like. Um, um, oh, I would even say. I'll finish this point. If you're someone who's who's a who loves film and television, who can handle the topic, but is just tired of how it looks and you feel exhausted by it, the point may be that you're tired of the lack of nuance, the lack of well-written characters. Um, you know, Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad, I think, is becoming. Um, I believe Barry Jenkins is involved. It involves slavery, right? I know as soon as that hits, once that becomes something where everybody's talking about it, there's going to be this initial, oh, no more slavery, no more slavery. That book is amazing. That book is amazing. But some people just don't want to see that stuff anymore. I don't know that I want to watch Barry's work, even though I love Barry Jenkins, because the book is so fresh in my head and I, I just loved it. And I loved it as I saw it in my head. Um, but I think whatever they do with it, I'm I'm almost trusting that and hoping that that nuance will still be there because it's in the it's in the source it's in the source material. Um, but you may just not want to see it. But I I will argue that nuance character development makes a difference, and I think there would be a little bit less exhaustion. Make it make sense. Make it make these black characters and them make sense. Why are we looking at them? And not knowing who they are, not explaining who they are, uh, more effort was spent to me on the style as it related to them and all the elements, part um, hidden figures, part Lovecraft, part um, Far From Heaven, um, part Wonder Years, even though, you know, part Jordan Beale, right? And it's beautiful but not enough to make it make sense and too much 
too much violence without a sort of creative art payoff for it. Who is it for? Queen and Slim, same thing. Violence, but also we've unplugged from these characters because we're like, who does this, right? And I'm speaking for myself and the people who felt this way. There are clearly people who thought this was a masterpiece. It's fine. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying from a character perspective, I think it's hard to argue with why is Queen behaving this way and then why would they make these choices, right? Add some nuance, maybe that makes sense in a different way. Maybe you're less exhausted by it, right? And how I connect that to Master of None, again, is that we see Master of None episode could have just been a basic coming out episode, but it wasn't because there was nuance. It wasn't all Black families treat their children this way. It wasn't all Black lesbians go through this experience that we've seen a million times before. It was specific. And it was beautiful because of that. And we saw what happened in terms of the response to it and the fact that it won an Emmy for best writing, a well-deserved one. It makes um, it makes a difference. And because I, you know, become obsessed and I've been reading about Lena as people, because I've not thought about Lena other than she exists. I, I appreciate that she exists. I know she's doing this work. And I, I'm saying that even as I talk about these projects, right? Um, but in the article in Vulture, in talking about the buildup um, of how they built that episode, that Thanksgiving episode that won the Emmy, uh, one of the things that Lena says in response to a question is Aziz, talking about Aziz, who I'm sorry, who is the lead on the show. Aziz is blacker than me in his cultural references. Um, he always hears the new Kanye before me, blah, blah, blah. And that makes me think about, and I know that's not literal, and I know that's not saying that she isn't black, none of that, but just that little bit, you know, Aziz is blacker than me in terms of his cultural references makes me think about the importance of sort of the source when we start looking at content. Right? And not that she isn't a black woman, she is. Um, but just even that statement, it makes me think, okay, well maybe that makes me understand a little bit about how certain characters get developed and things like that. And it also lets me understand that maybe if as an artist, um, she's hearing and can kind of sift through the sort of the hate that seems to be based on something else and listen to some of the critique. Um, and as she also grows and kind of plants her foot as a cultural innovator, that part of what happens is that there's some reading, there's some nuance, there's some things that have to come into place to make up for whatever that gap is in terms of um, cultural reference. I think it makes a difference. Right? There will be people just because I'm, I'm writing content that features things authentic to me about being black and also things about me being um, 
gay or a same gender loving man. There are things just by existing, people think that's negative, right? It shouldn't. So I, I know there's, it's all, you know, um, depends on your perspective, what's appropriate, what's okay, what's too much, what's not enough. But for the artist, but for myself, I have to be conscious about what is it I'm asking the audience to sit through and why? Especially when it is as violent or visual and descriptive and in a climate in which we just come off of a heightened period of white supremacy. What am I, what am I adding to the conversation here? You know, If I were to write a story about a trans character, you know, am I, you know, maybe the character suffers some, a violent act or something happens, but I, I think I would have to be mindful of writing a show where a trans character, where trans characters were continuously throughout 10 episodes tortured while we did character development for the people who tortured them. It's almost like you're giving people ideas, right? I'd have to be mindful of that. You know? Does the audience, the people who I want to see, do they want to see themselves? And not to run away from reality, but like, do you want to see yourself tortured for 10 episodes? without a payoff. I don't know what the payoff of torture is, but without, you know, I would guess no. So how do you deal with the reality while also deal um, of the of, of your work and also deal with the reality that we live in a world um, where the work has a certain kind of impact? I can't even imagine going into a studio suggesting that I do a show where for 10 episodes, we're just gonna torture trans men and women and call it science fiction. Wouldn't, no, wouldn't do it. You know, pitch a show about you know, sexual assault and rape, 10 episodes watching, um, women getting tortured while we develop the characters of the men <laughs> who are torturing them and understand how they end up that way possibly because they their parents didn't love them enough. Like I wouldn't, I just can't, I don't understand why it's so easy for people to just kind of depict our horror in certain ways that they do. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So, that's my take on them, is that I think we can have these stories. I think we just need more nuance. Why are we telling this story? I think there's a different responsibility, not because you owe the community and because you're black, but like, let's think about this a little bit. What are you trying to say? Are you part of, you know, you know, you know, it can be rough, but does it have to be pointless? 
Right? And I'm not saying them is pointless. I haven't made it to the last episode. I'm just going to say I haven't because I don't know enough about the people. I don't see the point here. And I think we have to be able to say these things so that these artists who are making this content can hear and keep working on their craft because there's some good work. The acting is top notch. Cinematography is top notch. Some of the writing is actually interesting. Um, it's beautiful to look at. The music is 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 good. There's there. Everybody involved is talented. So if we're going to talk about it, I guess my piece is just like. Let's think about why. Let's think about character development. If we're going to root it in reality with the great migration and talk about that at the top of the show, um, then let's really do it. I, I enjoy most seeing, oh, my God, Paula J. Parker is in the show. Um, it's good to see her. When they're visiting their Black family, and it's like we learn something about them a little bit, but it's not enough. Because that is the experience. That is actually the experience most people were having that experience of connection, right? I think Lovecraft did that very well. So anyway, that's all I got to say on this. Um, I've been gone from the house for a couple of hours today. I got to go back to my babies and um, enjoy the rest of this Sunday. Um, my, <laughs> my editors would always hate when I say what day it is because by the time I post this, it may not be Sunday, but you know, whatever. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, I really do want to know what you think. So um, please comment when you watch this or when you're listening to the podcast, um, you can shoot me um, a message. You can find the podcast on Apple or isolationbelike.com. Um, shoot me a message or find me on Twitter, Phil Branch IG and Twitter, and you know where to find me. Um, um, you know, we're still in a pandemic, guys, so um, let's be safe out there. And, you know, um, I'll talk about that, the whole vaccine thing in another episode. But um, you guys be good. You stay safe, um, stay sane, and, and wash your hands. And um, I'll catch you next time. Peace. <laughs>